Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. You're listening to Scoopy Radio with Brandon Robinson. Uh, welcome, everybody, to the Hollow Talk podcast. This is Jetpack Nick, and I'm here with a very special, special, special guest, Brandon Scooby Robinson. How you doing today, sir? Man, I'm maintaining. How you feeling? I'm doing all right, man. I'm, I'm doing cool. You know, I, I got you on here. You know, we're about to chop it up, talk about some good things, and, you know, see where this takes us. Let's do it. All right. So... You know, first things first, before we even get into any anything about sports, you know, I, I want to talk about you and your background. Who is Brandon Scooby Robson for the people who do not know? I'm a senior writer at Heavy.com, host of my podcast, Scooby Radio. Um, and I also have a digital show now uh, uh, called Heavy Live with Scooby. We've had anyone from uh, Jay Williams, Stefan Marbury, Jalen Mills of the Philadelphia Eagles, um, Paul Banks, just a myriad of different people, and um, yeah, man, just just uh, been at it for a while, and uh, I met you along the way, so uh, I feel like I'm in good company. So uh, I'm, 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 aside from what I do, I'm a, I'm a friend, I'm a, I'm a brother, I'm an uncle, I'm, a, I'm just, I'm just me, baby. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's all you can be in this world, man. That's all you should be, to be honest, man. You know, sure. but uh, but yeah, you know, I um. I wanted to talk to you about some basketball. You know, this NBA season is very, very different from previous ones, man. You know, with the whole bubble going on and a lot of unpredictable outcomes happening. You know, like, you know, dynasties losing, um, you know, some of the best players not showing up in big moments. You know, it's been a lot of craziness. So, like, what's your thoughts on this uh, this, this current NBA season? I mean, you, you look at the situation um, with uh, the Nuggets and, you know, I, I said this – uh, on Twitter uh, the other day, I said I feel like um, Scoop B Radio. I feel I said Rocky Balboa uh, and uh, what's the brother over at the, the Denver Nuggets, uh, the point guard, um, Jamal Murray. Yeah, I'm sorry, I haven't had I've been on calls all day, so let me start from the beginning. I tweeted Jamal Murray and Rocky Balboa. Uh, same thing. Uh, you love that underdog story. And this is a team that was down 0-3 and won four straight games. 
the pressure was on the Clippers. You know, the Clippers had to uh, to perform. They didn't. And, um, you know, here we are. I think we're in a situation where uh, I think they're, they're in, a, in a good situation. They have nothing to lose. Um, but when you look at uh, that, that, that Clippers team, I mean, this is a Kawhi Leonard, Paul George team that load managed most of the season. Uh, Paul George came back later. Uh, in the season, like, you know, and, and I think November, December, you know, did what he had to do. And uh, it just didn't come to fruition. I mean, they low managed, they rested. Uh, but I think what was lacking is just on-court experience. Um, and I think that they, they let up on the, on the gas at the end. And uh, that's that's where we are now. So I like the matchups. I like Miami. Um, I, I think that that's a team that was laughed at, slept on looked over and uh you know jimmy butler came to miami after his stop in philadelphia and you know people thought he was crazy to leave philly he came to miami and, and got his own team behind guys like tyler hero i think he averaged like 13 or 14 points uh between the first round and when they played against miami had never played in the playoffs before he was a rookie kendrick nine um, just all of those 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 guys and you know many people paid attention to the sixers or the milwaukee bucks and you know, slept on the Miami Heat. So you, everybody likes the underdog. And then you look at the Lakers. I feel like they're the most, um, the biggest first-seeded underdog in history. Uh-huh. I think, I, including myself, I thought that the Clippers were in a situation uh, where they would meet the Lakers in the conference finals. That wasn't the case. And, you know, really and truly the Lakers have dealt with adversity. They buried Kobe. And I feel like as much as people downplay it, I think they got to win this one for him, not because there's a pressure, but because it's just the right thing to do. To Absolutely. Honor, you know, such a, a, a talented basketball player uh, who was, you know, a part of the fabric of the NBA for, for, for many years. So uh, I, I, I like the Lakers' chances. I also think that the Denver Nuggets are nothing to sneeze at. I mean, this is a team that has nothing to lose that over the years – I'm going toe to toe with the Spurs of the world, the the, the Pelic, excuse me, the Spurs, the, the Oklahoma City Thunder, the, the the Denver Nuggets, or excuse me, well the Nuggets have gone against the Portland Trailblazers, so Blazers, Spurs, uh, uh, Thunder at large, and you know this was even before this season. This year, you know they played well, and uh, it, it really feels like an NCAA tournament. Uh, it does favors one seeds, but they were in the bubble making it happen, and, and it's good to see something different. No, yeah, I mean, I I agree with with a lot of the things that you said, you know, and and coming into the season, you know, the the expectations were high for teams like the Los Angeles Clippers, the Milwaukee Bucks, you know, the Los Angeles Lakers. You know, a a lot of people weren't too high on the Miami Heat or or a team like the Denver Nuggets. But if you really know basketball, you know that both of those teams have some very, very talented players. You know, some of those players might even be the best players that they position in the league, like Nikola Jokic. You know, um, Jamal Murray on the Denver Nuggets has showed out, you know, immensely. Like, people knew that he was talented, but they didn't know that he was 40 or 50 points a night talented, especially going against guys like Kawhi Leonard or Paul George or Patrick Beverly or uh, a host of those, you know, premier defenders that they have on their team. You know, it, a, a lot of those uh, teams, like, like a Miami Heat, for instance, you know, Jimmy Butler, you know, people – may not think Jimmy Butler is, is that good of a player because his stats don't necessarily pop out like a LeBron James or a Kawhi Leonard or Kevin Durant or any of those guys. But his skill set is very, very, very useful. 
He plays defense. You know, he, he's a grit and grinder. He can get you 20 to 25 a night while also shutting down the opposing team's best player. And the fact that you got somebody like that on your team in this kind of environment where Hooper shine the most, that's when you see a Miami Heat take a 1-0 lead in the Eastern Conference Finals against a Boston Celtics team. That's when you see a Denver Nuggets team do what they did to the Clippers. And, you know, this, and they fare very well against the Lakers. We're on the same page. Yeah. You know, I, and I, I wanted I wanted to ask you, too, you know, because I, I know a lot of uh, a lot of uh, sports writers and sports analysts hold Kawhi Leonard as one of the top two, top three or maybe even the best player in the league. But this series, he didn't look like that. And me personally, I was never one of those people to say Kawhi Leonard was, you know, top three, top four, top five. Um, but a lot of people, you know, said he was, and a lot of people had him at number one. Do you think that this series affects his legacy in any way, or, or do you think that this only lights a fire for him to come back much stronger next season and prove that he's a top three player? I think it, it, it lights a fire, but I think that would be for any competitor. Um, I, I think that at the end of the day, um, I think that the pressure was more on, on – Paul George than it was him because he won a ring already. Right. So I, I think this year, Scoop you know, they didn't, they didn't seal the deal. That's fine. Um, I think that next season, though, the pressure is actually going to be on Doc Rivers um, because I think that um, at the end, it seemed as if the team kind of got, they let out some air with like three minutes, four minutes left. Right. Uh, and I think at the end of the day, um, next year, um, it's just going to be interesting because it gets tougher, right? So you, you have this, to me, this was the Lakers' window uh, this year. This year was the Lakers' window to win one because next year you got a healthy Golden State Warriors team. Um, yeah, with a top two pick in the draft. There you go. That could be moved or they could, you know, outright hold on to it and do what they do. You, you have a, you know, you, you have a, a, a Lakers team that you're trying to figure out if, you know, Anthony Davis, in fact, does resign or, you know, he goes to other teams. You know, then you, you look at a situation, you know, with um, the Nets and on the Eastern Conference side, you know, they have a healthy football, Kyrie and KD. Um, you, you look at, um, you look at um, the Bucks. they will be healthy next season. You know, do they go after Chris Paul, or you know, do they do they you know do they make a smaller move, a Drew Holiday, or or you know, a, a, a Victor Oladipo? You know, they uh, Giannis Antetokounmpo uh, did meet with the Bucks recently, and you know, one of the names that was on his list of players that you know he wanted uh, on that team uh, was Chris Paul. So you know, that'll be interesting. Philadelphia, what will they do with their head coaching situation? But I think ultimately it's going to come down to the Brooklyn. The Milwaukee's, the, the the Lakers, the Clippers, and and the, and the Warriors. So, you know, when it comes down to just the Clippers next season, okay, maybe this was an experiment. Right. It would be a different experiment as opposed to somebody like the Lakers last year who dealt with, you know, um, LeBron being hurt, you know, and then going into a situation where he comes back this year and then does what he needs to do. So, you know, if that I feel like the Lakers model last year is the model that the Nets are using going into next season. And maybe the Clippers model is a different blueprint. You lose in the semifinals, you come back next year, and, you know, you hope that you you get into a situation where you make it to the conference finals or the finals. It just seemed like 
the stars were aligned this year for Lakers Clippers conference finals, and it didn't happen that way. But Kawhi Leonard, to me, in answer to your question, I, I believe that Kawhi Leonard uh, is a good player, and I'll tell you why. Um, when I look at his situation, he's involved in every situation he's been in. You know, you go from being a systems player in San Antonio, playing with Tony Parker and Manu Ginobili and, uh, and under Greg Popovich, to, you know, wanting your way out of San Antonio and then finding your way uh, to the Toronto Raptors, who, by the way, um, were the second best team when LeBron James was in the Eastern Conference. Right. You go in in your first year and then you win a ring. Like that sets him above Vince Carter. That's the best Raptor. You know, arguably the Mr. Raptor at this point is, is Kyle Lowry. You know, but, you know, you, you go into that situation where, you know, Kawhi had the opportunity to win a championship on three different teams. It didn't happen this year. I think sometimes people put too much, much, much credence into who's the best and why. Because I think when it's all said and done, Kawhi Leonard, to me, um, on both sides of the basketball was everything that Richard Jefferson was supposed to be during his career. Wow. Um, and that's not not on Richard Jefferson. It's just I think that Richard Jefferson was a great complimentary player to Jason Kidd. Uh, Keith Van Horn, Vince Carter, early on, and then later, you know, playing a great role with the New Jersey Nets with, you know, Jason Kidd and, and Vince Carter. So, you know, so just, it, it, he, he wasn't defensively, I think he was a problem, though. You know, just Kawhi went from being uh, almost like in a college system in San Antonio to being the man in Toronto to basically playing the same role in the Clippers land, except he had a sidekick. I never considered Paul George a superstar. I do consider him a, a star. Mm-hmm. It's like I never considered Carmelo Anthony to be a superstar. Wow. That, a that's an interesting take. Yeah. That's an interesting take. You know, uh, you know, uh, there's a couple of things I actually want to address on that one now. Now that you, you know, said some things about uh, Carmelo Anthony not being a superstar and Paul George not being a superstar, but you know, I, I want to address the Kawhi Leonard thing first. So Kawhi Leonard to me has ha- has benefited from a couple of different things. Uh, you know, especially with his uh, with, with his time in San Antonio and his time in Toronto. You know, his his time in San Antonio, he played, you know, with, if not the greatest coach, you know, top two, top three coaches in NBA history. As uh, And Greg Popovich, he also played with one of the best big threes of all time. Uh, and Tony Parker, Mario Ginobili, and Tim Duncan. And he didn't really have to play a superstar role during his time there, you know, when they beat the Miami Heat in the NBA, ch- NBA championship. Uh, in Toronto, he benefited from Golden State injuries. You know, Kevin Durant being injured, rushing his Achilles. Uh, Clay Thompson going out with the ACL, and and them just you know having fatigue over the last five years, mm-hmm. you know. But and 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 with the Clippers thing, I mean, it, it's kind of hard to, to to say that you know they they were definitely going to win or whatever the case. But I do know that you know they he he didn't look like what a lot of people said he was, which is the best player in the league. People said he was better than LeBron James. People said he was better than Kevin Durant. You know, I, I I don't believe that. I never did believe that, and I think that this series and uh, a lot of his his previous comments also show that. Yeah, I think you're uh, I think you're onto something, man. I think you're definitely onto something. I think um, you bring about a lot of validity to that. You know, like yeah, you know, I I watched Kevin Durant come out 
uh, you know, with a, I, I don't even know what, what the injury was that they called it, you know, they, they were trying to sugarcoat the injury, but he came out there for, uh, for a few minutes and looked like the best player on the planet until he rushed his Achilles. You know, and I think that a healthy Kevin Durant in a series against the Toronto Raptors with Kawhi Leonard and company, I don't think that Kawhi even gets that ring at all. Yeah, I think you're right about that. I, but so if that's the case, um, I, I look at the Warriors. I think if LeBron didn't get hurt Christmas, we'd be having a different conversation too. No, I agree. I mean, and the, the thing with the Warriors to me, too, though, is that I, I personally give a lot, a lot, a lot of credit to Kevin Durant uh, when it comes to that Warriors situation. Because to me, I don't necessarily think that the Warriors really won anything, to be honest. When they did win the NBA championship against Cleveland in 2015, they beat a depleted Cleveland team and still went six. And LeBron was above and beyond the best player on the floor in, in that series. And then 2016, when they were healthy, they lost. And then the year after that, they got the best player in the world to me and Kevin Durant and never lost again until he got hurt. So, I don't, you know, I don't really think that without Kevin Durant, they were really the dynasty that people say that they are. 2015, the, Cla- the Cavs should have won that series. They did. In 2016, right. the Cavs uh, should have lost and they won. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, pretty much. That's pretty much how it went, man. <laughs> You know, but when Kevin Durant got on the floor, you know, people say that, you know, Kevin Durant didn't necessarily earn those rings or those rings don't count that much. But it's hard to say that when you were the primary reason that you won. You know, you don't average 35, 7 and 7 and and, and say that people people say that you read somebody else's coattails. I don't I don't necessarily agree with that statement. Yeah, I think you nailed it on the head, sir. Oh man, I, I mean, I, I want to hear your opinions on these things. Though we talking basketball, man, that's your thing. No, man, I think at the end of the day, I think Kevin Durant definitely was the equalizer. I definitely think that he is the modern. I think when he went to the Golden State Warriors, I think in 2010, um, what LeBron did is what Kevin Durant did in 2016. I agree, and I think that LeBron caught ridicule for it. And was hated. Scoop B um, Radio. So was KD. But I think KD really didn't give a damn. LeBron actually cared. Yeah, I, I can agree with that. I definitely can agree with that. But you got to understand, Kevin Durant is one of those guys. He's, he, he don't really care about you know in, anything as far as the outside is concerned. It, he, he cared about everything that's in between them lines with, with that orange ball. Yeah. And if, if it ain't concerning that, he really don't care. And I, I like that in my superstars, to be honest. Mm-hmm. We on the same page. We on the same page. I think. But but what about the people that that don't agree with us, though? That's they. That's their business. You can't always agree with agree with everything, and you can't always disagree with everything. I think at the end of the day, though, I think Kevin Durant preserved himself by going to Golden State rather than gritting and grinding in Oklahoma. I think that Kevin Durant needed his own team and Russell Westbrook needed his own team. I can agree with that. I definitely can agree with that. You know, the, being the kind of player that Kevin Durant is, though, I, I truly believe that him going to Golden State was the best basketball decision he could have ever made, followed up by him going to Brooklyn. Yep. Like, this, the system that Golden State ran, the players that they had, it was it was prime for a player like Kevin Durant, somebody that doesn't need the ball to dominate, but when he has the ball, he's the scariest player. 
in the world and one of the scariest players to ever hold a basketball in their hands. Like, I, I think that now that Brooklyn has Steve Nash, it's going to be, you know, something more interesting than we already thought it was going to be prior to Steve Nash arriving. Yeah, I think um, when I look at Brooklyn with Steve Nash, I think many people talk about the white privilege thing. I don't think that that's the case in that situation, though. Um, I think great point guards become um, great coaches. You know, you look at Jason Kidd. He did that in Brooklyn and in Milwaukee. You look at, you know, Derek Fisher. Uh, he did that with the Knicks. Um, Jason Kidd had a better uh, result. Um, he's now an assistant coach on the championship team, uh, a potential championship team uh, in the uh, Los Angeles Lakers. You look at Jared Fisher with the L.A. Sparks. Um, you know, I think he and Candace Parker are, are uh, you know, living their best lives uh, <laughs> out in the, in the WNBA. Um, but I think, um, you know, I think when it's all said and done, though, I do think that um, – the Nets will be okay. I think that um, it just depends on what other pieces they put together. But I do think KD needed a full year to kind of recover, rest, and get into the swing of things. And I think Kyrie was just pacing himself and waiting for KD to get back. And I think that they're going to do they're going to do damage. Yeah. Do you think that they won the NBA championship next season? I think they have a good chance. Uh, you don't want to go on record and say that that's what you think, huh? Uh, no, because I, I still think that when it's all said, I mean, the next season hasn't started yet. Just because 2K21 is out doesn't mean <laughs> the season started. So I'll stick with I think they have a good chance. I still think that there are some things they need to figure out. I think some of the things that they need to figure out is potentially, you know, having the backup point guard position. Kyrie Irving has been injury prone. That's a fact. I think the world of Kai, but he's got to come in healthy. Um, you look at KD, uh, you've seen him in practice, what happens in the real game. Um, what what do you what do they do with the Karis Levert situation? I think Karis Levert uh, is in a situation uh, with the Nets where he played himself into a good position, just like Devin Booker did uh, in the bubble. Uh, Absolutely, and I think that you just have to put it all together. And so, no, I'm I'm not going to go on record now, um, but you know, as the season approaches next year, I'm more than happy to come on your show and definitely you know finish this particular conversation with the Nets because it's not a finished product yet. No, I completely agree with you. But you know, I, just me personally, I, I, I like the chances of having a healthy Kevin Durant, a healthy Kyrie Irving on the floor. And, and to be honest with you, a lot of that to me is based off of if they're going to do the bubble system again or not. I think that the bubble system greatly, greatly, greatly favors players like Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant. Yeah, agree. You know, so the and and they're in the Eastern Conference too, which has been historically weaker than the West. And I, I don't really see the Eastern Conference challenging the Western Conference that much. But having two players that are that dominant on the same team in a weaker conference, yeah, it's 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 pretty much written in the stars, if you ask me. Yeah, we'll see. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, look, I, I don't got no problem going on record to say that I, I think the Brooklyn Nets will at least reach the NBA Finals in, uh, in the upcoming season. But I, I, I would definitely say that I, I would like them to win it over whoever comes out of the West. Me too. And who do you think comes out of the West next season? It depends on what Kate, or excuse me, what AD does um, this offseason. You know, if he comes back, I think the Lakers have a good chance. But I think at the same time, uh, you got a Clippers team that's that's hungry um, next season. You got a Warriors team that comes back healthy. So 
I think there's I think there's a lot of movement that's going to be going on during the offseason, um, and I can get a better gauge of it once that season actually starts. But I think that the Lakers are in a good position, assuming that AD does come back. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. So, so like with, with this playoffs that we got going on now, do you have any picks uh, for for the Eastern and Western Conference Finals? Like, who, who do you think is going to come out? The Lakers and the uh, Boston Celtics. Yeah, you think Boston can rebound? And win in how many games? I think they're gonna go full six or seven. Full six or seven. See, I, I don't, I don't know about that Eastern Conference Final Series between Miami and Boston. Like, I, I, I just don't know if. If the, the superior talent on the Boston team is going to kick in and, you know, override what the Miami Heat do, the, the grit and grind style that they play, I, I, I'm not sure. You know, talent is always good to have, but like we saw with the Los Angeles Clippers, you know, talent isn't always the answer. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I don't think it's going to be um, it's going to be one stop shop. I think it's going to be it's going to be grueling me personally. Um, but I look at the Miami Heat. The thing that I like about the Heat is just um they're, they're, they're like wine that sneaks up on you. You drink about three cups, four <laughs> cups, and you're like, wait, I thought I just had one. Like, I look at the Miami Heat, man, and, and I like the way that they've been orchestrated, and, uh, and I think that I think that Pat Riley's done a, a sensational job. Um, when I look at the Celtics, I just like watching the growth over the last couple of years. I mean, even when you look at Jalen Brown going against LeBron in the conference finals some years ago, I mean, this is a team that has gone to the conference finals in the last three, four years. Um, and and I think that now, um, I think that there's a level of confidence. I was looking, I was writing something about Jason Tatum this evening, and um, I was looking at his statistics from um, the playoffs uh, versus the um, the the regular season. And Tatum averaged 23.4 points, um, three assists, seven rebounds, 1.4 steals, and then he kicked it up another notch. Um, in the playoffs, he's averaging, I think, about 25.7 points, and his rebound production, 10.4 rebounds per game and 4.3 assists is what stands out to me. But I like Kimber Walker, Jason Tatum, and, and Jalen Brown, and I look at Kimber Walker's situation, you know, a guy from the Bronx uh, that is back on the Northeast after spending many years with Charlotte, with both the Bobcats and the Hornets. And um, what I like about Kimball Walker uh, really and truly is the fact that he's been put an opportunity to actually win um, ball games and and he's taking advantage of it now um, and I like the the, the combination of grit uh, that they have defensively with Marcus Morris he ain't never scared you know and I think that um once they get a healthy Gordon Hayward uh, back into the fold uh, I, I think that the Celtics can do something and um but I I like both those teams I like both of their stories because if you really look at the East everybody just looked at Philly and Milwaukee and you know I talked to Jalen Brown about that at the beginning of the season and, and his, his attitude even towards it was like we haven't won anything yet we have to prove it and they've done it every round and so I, I look at this situation with the Celtics and I'm impressed but I'm also impressed with the Heat I think these are two great teams and when I look at the Western Conference with Denver I mean I, I look at Denver and I think that everybody slept on them because everybody was enamored with the Clippers and the Lakers and um I remember going on other shows and saying, man, don't sleep on the Nuggets, man. The Nuggets are a team that you really got to respect and pay attention to. Just because they're not hitting sports center highlights every night does not mean that they're not potent. They're just in, a Denver, in Denver, and they're not getting the same type of attention that New York gets, Philly gets, Chicago gets, Los Angeles gets. And um, 
I, I think that the Lakers, um, you know, I tweeted the other night that I, I feel like um, the Lakers should be scared of the Nuggets and people were mad that I said that, but scared is hyperbole. What I mean is, um, you know, the, the Nuggets earned their way there uh, respectfully and, and, and by grinding, but the Lakers and, and in and of itself, you know, are, are one of the biggest underdog first seeds that I can remember in, in history. You know, when I look at first seeds in, in, in anything, I think of, you know, some maybe two, three, four years ago, a Boston Celtics team that had Isaiah Thomas, that LeBron James and the Cavs, you know, beat and went to the finals. Um, I, I look at the Atlanta Hawks that was coached by Budenholzer and the Heat, you know, or excuse me, the Cleveland Cavaliers did the same thing. Like um, when I look at the Lakers, this is a first place team that has um, you know, dealt with injuries to Kuzma at the beginning of the season and, and, and Rajon Rondo and, um, has, and, and has found a way you know, to, to stay consistent. You know, at the first game of the season, you had Danny Green putting up 28 points in the game. And then, you know, you, you look there. Um, I don't know. I, I think that Anthony Davis and LeBron James in the pick and roll seemed to click right away and weren't even who they were supposed to be yet. And I found a way to, to build that consistency throughout the course of the season during a COVID shutdown and more. So um, I, I think that Lakers team is a, is a team that that um, is not a typical one C team. You know, they, they were the team that that that. Kobe Bryant played for, and you know it would be great to avenge his his, his passing and, and, a, and a tragic accident by you know winning it. It's it's great for storylines. It's great for just morale. But um, at the Lakers are just that good, um, and and really and truly the what they put on the floor uh, throughout the course of the season has been impressive. I mean, you, you literally brought in Demarcus Cousins, who you know ended up getting hurt. You brought in Dwight Howard, um, and I'll be honest with you, when you look at Dwight Howard. You rested him in the semis against the Rockets, and I can tell you Dwight was upset about that. Um, but to be honest with you, I think Dwight is going to pay dividends for the Lakers uh, starting Friday in Game One because um, he rested, you know, against the Rockets. You know, the Rockets play small ball, you know. So when right. I look at that situation with the Rockets, and I look at the situation with, with them going against Denver, he's gotten some rest. Jokic is, is no bum, and the way you play defense on him is going to be very different. I feel like Jokic is Denver's Anthony Davis, so to speak. Um, he, he initiates the offense, uh, and, and, and Jamal Murray does too, but just differently. Um, so it, it's going to be an interesting series. I, I do think it's going to be um, Lakers, uh, Celtics, but even if it's not, if it's Lakers, Heat, LeBron gets to play against his former team in a championship form, you know. Uh, Jimmy Butler is the man, you know, and, and, and that's I think that's so understated. I think that he is one of the most blue-collar swingmen there. You didn't have Kawhi, you have Jimmy Butler. Jimmy Butler, to me, um, I, I use the analogy of Richard Jefferson uh, being, or Kawhi Leonard being everything Richard Jefferson was supposed to be. Uh, blue-collar-wise, I, I, I think Jimmy Butler is up there, too, as far as playing both sides of the ball. You know, everybody pays attention to Steph Curry at the point guard position, but uh, everybody can't be Steph Curry. But then there's a Damian Lillard. You know, that's that's a, that's the alternative, and it's a good alternative. And I think in the same breath from the swingman position, Jimmy Butler and and and, um, and Kawhi Leonard are up there. But Jimmy Butler's heater is, is is in the Eastern Conference, and you know they they've got their hands full against the Celtics as this Jason Tatum uh, and 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 company with with the Miami. So it's going to be interesting on both sides of the conferences. No, yeah, I, I completely agree. But I, I want to touch on something that you brought up about uh, Dwight Howard and Carmelo Anthony. 
Um, those two particular guys were, you know, top five, top ten in the NBA for a very, very long time. And there's been this narrative, you know, on both of those guys that they aren't that good. Or, you know, like even Melo, like Melo, Melo's narrative was he wasn't good at all. And he set out a year, you know, based off of a narrative. And then he came back and, you know, he put on a show, especially in a bubble, and as Dwight Howard is, is doing also. And I, I think that he will continue to do. Um, why do you think that narrative was created, you know, for, for guys like a Carmelo Anthony and a Dwight Howard? Um, I think Melo uh, is one of the last of the real ones, if you will. And I think that post-Syracuse, um, I think Melo has gotten in a situation where he was in Denver and the, he had to get past the Spurs and the Lakers quite a bit. Right. And so by the time he came to New York and played for the Knicks, um, I think that um, that Knicks team traded all their young assets to Denver. And Melo wanted to play with New York at a time when nobody else wanted to play. Yeah, uh, uh, Amari was there already. Uh, you ended up bringing in Chauncey Billups. Um, we, we get it. But I think that the next year's Melo was perceived to be a ball hog. Um, but who was on his team? Right. You had a hurt Amari. Uh, I mean, you played with guys like Mike Bibby towards the end. You played with play with uh, towards the end. It's just it's just a lot of um, moving pieces there. Um, I feel like perception creates reality, and the reality is not always true. You look at a situation where um, I think the one time that they had a competitive team under Mike Woodson in 2013. Um, they lost against a Pacers team that was better. Um, you had Hibbard, you had Paul George, you had Lance Stevenson. They were coached by Frank Vogel, and then they ended up losing to the Heat. And that I feel like not only did Melo have to go up against, um, you know, Kobe and um, Duncan and the Spurs, Kobe with the Lakers in the West, you basically – were going up against LeBron's Eastern Conference when he was a member of the Heat or the Cavs when Melo was with the Knicks. Um, and I think because Melo was drafted in 2003 and his draft class included even Darko Milicic, who was the <laughs> pick, who won a ring with the Pistons. He did. You, 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 your draft mates included Dwight Howard. Uh, excuse me, not Dwight Howard, Dwayne Wade, uh, Chris Bosh. Um, and they won rings. You look at the year before, Amari Stoudemire. I think Amari and Melo are both in interesting situations because Amari, Carmelo, and LeBron were considered the best high school players in the nation when they played and they came to the league and made splashes in their own way. Wade wasn't looked at in the same vein as them. Wade is older than them, but Wade found a way to win three championships. He did. Uh, he ring chased by bringing guys to his team rather than going to other teams. LeBron ring chased by going to Miami. And then coming back to Cleveland, Carmelo Anthony, I think that people get mad about that whole who me when he was asked if he would come off the bench or start in, in Oklahoma City. And they tried to do him like they did Allen Iverson when he was in Detroit and Memphis when he refused yeah. to come off the bench. Yeah, which was wrong, which was wrong, by the way, because Allen Iverson was still averaging 25 around that time. 
And I think that's what people do when they decide that they don't like them. Yeah, I, I mean, that's that's a bad narrative to have, though, especially for guys as great as an Allen Iverson and Dwight Howard and Carmelo Anthony. The, the fact that you can create a narrative to say, oh, this player isn't as good as they as they used to be or they're not good enough to even play in today's NBA is nonsense. You know, like to me, I look at Melo as one of the, the, the 10, you know, best offensive players that the history of the NBA has ever seen. You know, okay. be, you know, being being that being being that he, you know, is literally a three level scorer of the highest order. You know, he can get to the the rim. You know, he he can shoot the mid range with the best of them. You know, the likes of a Michael Jordan, the likes of a Kobe Bryant, the likes of a Dirk Nowitzki, a Kevin Durant, and then he can shoot the three ball very very well. You know, people actually underrated his three ball too. I hear a lot of people say, "Oh, Carmelo Anthony isn't a good catch and shoot." Um, you know, player, I'm like, we're not watching the same game because every time I see Melo catch the ball, he putting three to the dome. Like, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, so I, I don't, I don't really know where a lot of these narratives come from or what these people be looking at. Like, or it, it may just be to you know create ratings, but we can't be watching the same game if people got the narrative that a Carmelo Anthony or an Allen Iverson or Dwight Howard aren't good enough to play in basketball. Like I was watching AI come off um, a season in, in Philly. He was averaging well over 25 points a game. And then you tell me he can't play in the NBA. Uh, something's wrong with that picture. Yes, sir. We on the same page. Yeah. <laughs> we on the same page. No, nah, yeah. You know, and, and I like the fact that I'm able to, have this conversation with you because you know I, I i respect you as one of the you know the realest people in in this sports media thing and you know and you know like you know actually i i got i got a shout out to your tag man you know i gotta respect the shooter <laughs> you know what i'm saying yes, sir. Yes, but uh but yeah you know like a, a lot of a lot of people that hold you know high media positions create these narratives and these narratives stick and then it affects players careers it affects their pockets it affects their reputations their legacies and i just don't think that that's right especially when a lot of these players have immense talent and a better than 80 percent of the league you nailed it on the head um, it messes with people's money. That's the part people don't think about. You're a fan of the game for some people, for, for other people, it's their livelihood. And that perception is what affected Mello in Houston. That perception is what affected him getting a gig in the NBA. And he set out a year because of what? Like, it, it was pointless for him to set out that year. You know, he could have, he could have, you know, been on a contender. He could have been on the Los Angeles Lakers. Like, who knows? He sat out a year because of what they said. Yeah, not what he could do. And Mel, like I said, you know, I'm, I'm gonna emphasize it again because Carmelo Anthony is one of, you know, my my top three, top four favorite players in the history of the league. You know, he's one of the top ten, you know, most potent offensive forces this league has ever seen. Mm-hmm. You know. Yep. It's, and it's the fact that that you know people can create a narrative and affect someone of that stature of that skill set, and that's just crazy to me. Well, you know what? I, I'll add this. You talked about Dwight Howard, and I had that conversation with Dwight last summer. You know, I asked him. I said, "Yo, um, do you think you're a Hall of Famer? Do you think you and Melo are Hall of Famer?" And he said, "Absolutely, huh? They're absolutely Hall of Famers." Yeah, he said, "I am a Hall of Famer," and he thinks that his body will work over time. We'll prove that. And I think that, you know, if you look at where he was in the summer last year, this was back when 
you know, there were rumors about things that had nothing to do with basketball right. going around, which is really none of our business. Um, but it was made our business because it hit the blogs. And then, you know, he was hurt. He was dealing with back issues. I remember talking to Metta World Peace about just Mellow's, or excuse me, just about Dwight Howard's, um, you know, health. And he said, Joe, I don't know if you noticed, but he was basically paying, playing through pain in Houston and in L.A. and was playing with some type of, I go back into the transcript, but basically was playing with just an injury that nobody realized how bad it was. And I think that because he's silly, that gets lost in translation. And I think the role that he plays as a center is different. Like, you look at Shaq, he's silly, but he was a beast down low. Off the court, silly. Dwight, he's not like that. But the funny thing is, I look at Dwight, I think he was ahead of his time as a center. Absolutely. Because I think Dwight came into a situation at, at the center position in basketball where he basically was was not even given the baton. He just was a center after Shaq or during towards the end of Shaq's career. I think Shaq publicly did not take a liking to Dwight. And so I think that affected perception. I think that publicly uh, Kobe and Dwight, when they were teammates, their personalities clashed. But thankfully, you know, they made peace. They were good. Um, you know, and I think that in in the situation that Dwight is in now, you know, here is Anthony Davis dominating. Here is Nikola Jokic dominating. You know, I think that, you know, during Shaq's prime for Lakers heat time, you had a guy like Kwame Brown that came in that I think he was ahead of his time. It just didn't fit the NBA. It fits now. You know, so you look at Dwight. I mean, I think, what does he have, like five defensive play of the year awards? Uh, three. I think he won three. You know, I, I think when you when you look at rebounding titles, appearances in the finals, like I feel like if the Lakers win a championship this year, that washes away the loss in 2009. <laughs> um, I think he's in a situ- he'll be in a situation in L.A. that Jason Kidd was in in Dallas when he got a ring in 2011 on the way out. Yeah. And not for nothing, he played himself into another contract. Uh, yes, he did. Absolutely. So, so people's perception in analytics basketball was wrong about both Mellow and Dwight. They stood the smell test and they stood the test of time. You know, I, I mean, like to like to people like me and you, that's an obvious thing. You know, watching them play and have watched them over the course of 10, 15 years. But for some reason, people just have have to have this idea that, oh, they don't fit in today's basketball. The mid-range jumper isn't effective or, you know, uh, Dwight Howard can't really do and do what he used to do. You know, he he doesn't fit in, in today's uh, NBA of, of the stretch four, the stretch five. Like, I don't I don't necessarily agree with that. You know, it, you can't tell me that you got two players who are surefire Hall of Famers in my eyes that they can't fit in today's basketball. That's just a crazy thing. We're on the same page. I think that Dwight and Carmelo are both first ballot Hall of Famers, to be honest with you. I just wrote something um, today uh, where I spoke with Antoine Walker about uh, Chauncey Billups, and he thinks that Chauncey deserves to be a Hall of Famer. He's another one. I think that Chauncey was ahead of his time uh, because he was a scoring point guard. And look at today's game. Full of them. 
Harry Irving, Steph yep. Curry, uh, Derrick Rose, uh, uh, um, Damian Lillard, C.J. McCollum. So, you know, I think sometimes when you're ahead of the curve, the burden of representation is on you. Um, and I, I think that's that's where it is. But that doesn't take away from somebody's greatness. Unfortunately, it comes from a matter of perspective um, based upon what people think. It's become a popularity contest and certain media folks vote based upon who they think um, represents what they represent. So, you know, when it's all said and done, I think Dwight and, uh, and Mello will have the last laugh. No, yeah, absolutely. And I, I also think that people have this perception of, uh, of uh, well, not the same perception, but a a uh, a premeditated perception of a, a guy like a like a Kevin Durant or a Kyrie Irving because of the fact that they're not media friendly. They, you know, they they get a bad rap for a lot of things that they do or say. Yeah, but in baseball, you look at Barry um, Bonds. Barry Bonds, yeah, and he got that. Reputation. I know there are a lot of writers who were glad that some of that 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 steroid stuff was 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 uh, a thing for for Barry. And you know, I'm not here to judge. I don't really know the facts in that regard. I stick to basketball, mm-hmm. but uh, I, I think that some of the people that you mentioned, like you know, Kyrie, is not really vibing with the media and and hasn't. And there's some things that happened to him as to why he is the way he is. Um, and I understand it. And I think the same thing with KD. You know, I think KD is very uh, particular and funny with media for for, for, for reasons um, that he feels justified. So, um, yeah, I think when you when the same people who you who write about you got to vote you in, there's a there's a there's a give and a take. No, yeah, I, I agree. But I, I also just feel like what you do on the court, what you do on the field shouldn't, you know, shouldn't be impacted by what you do you know, off of it as far as, like, media and things like that. Like, you know, like a Barry Bonds for instance. Barry Bonds wasn't media-friendly, but you really can't take away what he's done on the field, whether, you know, you believe in a steroid allegation or not. If you ask me personally, I believe Barry Bonds to be the, the best baseball player of all time, and he should have been in the Hall of Fame, bar none. But you got this perception that, oh, Barry Bonds was, you know, t- terrible to the media or he didn't like the media, which may be true, you know, but whether that's true or not, it shouldn't matter at the fact that he's the all-time home run king. He's the single-season home run king, one of the best hitters, one of the best players the league has ever seen. But the fact that he has a stigma on him with the whole steroid allegations and the fact that the media doesn't like him, he doesn't get in the Hall of Fame. And you look, 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 you look at the NFL, a guy like Terrell Owens, Terrell Owens is a surefire first by the Hall of Famer, one of the three best receivers the NFL has ever seen, but he doesn't get in the Hall of Fame on the first try. He gets in on the second try because the media doesn't like him. Like that's that I don't I don't think that that's fair to people's legacy. Like, you know, especially when, you know, we 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 build a lot of our content off, you know, our top fives and top tens and a lot of guys are left out for for reasons that don't concern what they did on the field or on the court. Yeah, you know, that's that's just that's just a bad way to move. Yep, we're on the same page, sir. You know, but uh, well, yeah. And I I, I want to talk to you more about um about you, man. You know, like I, I want to know about your background and how you got into this this, this sports journalist game. Um, I started at twelve. Had a radio show with the Nets as a kid, um, called Net Slam and Plan. That I co-hosted it with um Albert King. Lynn Wilson and Evan Roberts. It was produced by a woman named Amy Shear and Chris Carino. It was on 
AM radio, 620 AM on 101 Sports. The second year, the first year, it was on 1660 AM Oswald Radio, which was broadcast out of Liberty Science Center in Jersey City. I got the call. Um, I, I auditioned for the position as a kid um, where basically they wanted a bunch of kids, like eight kids, uh, to audition to do commercials for Crash Dummies. And what ended up happening was um, I auditioned at Chelsea Pier, Manhattan, hundreds of kids. I got the I did the first and the first audition killed it. Second audition, um, I um, killed it. And then they contacted my family, and um, you know I did commercials for the Crash Dummies around the same time. The Nets were rebranding, had a new logo. John Calipari was the head coach and the vice president of basketball operations. Uh, Keith Van Horn was their top draft pick that year. They had you know. Uh, Sam Cassell, Jason Williams, Kendall Gill, uh, Sherman Douglas, Chris Gatling on that team. Uh, basically, they were looking to rebrand and they were looking for a kid uh, to be a radio personality for them. And basically, uh, it was a situation where uh, I, you know, interviewed um, for that position. The funny thing is, uh, Lou Lamorello, who was the, uh, I think, the GM of the New York Islanders. Um, at the time, um, or now, he's the executive of the year um, wow. of the of the uh, Islanders. He interviewed me uh, for that position, and um, basically, um, he, he interviewed me. He liked me, and uh, I got into that position and did the show for two years and uh, went to being a kid again. But you know, my background in basketball dates to you know uh, my family. Uh, and, and owning, you know, businesses in Harlem and, um, you know, shout out to Harlem. Yeah, shoot business in Harlem and, you know, seeing celebrities come in and out that store. And, you know, I had an uncle who, you know, um, was around basketball and a lot of people who, you know, came out of this basketball league in New York City, uh, played in that, played in that league. So, um, you know, Rod Strickland came out of there, Stephon Marbury, Mark Jackson, Kenny the Jeff Smith, Bernard King. So, you know, just being around New York City basketball was something that I was, you know, always around as a kid and, you know, has carried over to, you know, going to college in, in the Philadelphia area and, you know, just, 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 um, just staying, staying, uh, staying the course. No, okay. So, so let me ask you, uh, are, are you from Jersey or are you from New York? I grew up in both. Okay. Okay. No, so so you know, being that that you grew up uh, in in basketball hotbeds in New York City and in Jersey, you know, basically the tri-state area, Philly included. Um, do you think that uh, being that close to the game and being that close to that style of the game uh, impacted the way that you do sports journalism? I would say yes. What do you say? Um, I would say I well. I don't know to be honest. Like I, I think I think I would say yeah. You know the the fact that you're confident in yourself and and the the content that you create and the content that you produce. I would say that that confidence comes from, you know, where you're from. You know that that East Coast swag. You know it's 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 something that that's prevalent in in, in you know, sports media from people from people that are from these areas. You know, like a Stephen A. Smith. You know who who's who's from Queens, New York. You know you got guys. Who you know, like that? Who just happen to have that kind of pizzazz, that swagger, that that comes along with their knowledge of the game? There you go. <laughs> you got me pegged. Yes. 
No, you know, but I mean, but it's, it's important that I ask you, though, you know, to, just to see if that was something that influenced you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely, man. I mean, you, 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 I rep New Jersey um, to the fullest. Um, I rep New York City, particularly to, to Borough, Manhattan, Harlem, the section, uh, as well as, you know, I spent some time in the Bronx as well. So um, I, I definitely, um, you know, am a, a mural of, uh, I come from a mural of just different um, backgrounds and, you know, your, your city, Philadelphia, is a city that I have a lot of respect for. Um, I went to Eastern University, which is on the main line, um, and, you know, went down the sh- right across the street from Cabrini, down the street from Villanova. But I worked downtown, uh, took commu- classes at Community College of Philadelphia, and, you know, still in and out of Philly, you know, uh, in, in, in different facets of life, so for different things. So definitely, um, you know, I have a great respect for the, the city of Philadelphia as well. No, yeah, absolutely, man. You know, because, you know, me personally, like you said, you know, I, I represent Philadelphia, but, you know, I, I definitely, uh, spend, you know, spent time, you know, all, all through the trust areas, you know, New York City, you know, New Jersey. I have family in both, you know, but, you know, I, I think that for me, too, that I'm heavily influenced on, you know, being from the East Coast, you know, as other people may be influenced from being from the West Coast or down South or you know, mid the Midwest, you know, or, or wherever they come from, you understand? Like, I, I think that, you know, the the way that the cities itself are just influence who I am as a person in general, not not you know, on the strength of, of doing sports journalism or podcasting or whatever. I think that that's something that affects me in everyday life. And it just happens to carry over and spill over into the other areas of my life. Yep. I like it. No, yeah, I like it too. That's why I said it, man. <laughs> you know, um, I, I also want to ask you too. You know, speaking about New York City, you you've interviewed uh, Stephon Marbury, who's one of my favorite NBA players of all time, and those particular interviews have have garnered a lot of attention lately. Yes, you know, he, uh, Stephon Marbury has, has spoke out uh, about LeBron James and uh, Jay Z. You know, he he said a, a couple of things about them. You know, if, if you would like, you know, what would you like to say what he had said? Would I like to say what he said? Yeah. Scoop I mean, it's out there. Radio. You know what he said. Nah. <laughs> <laughs> no, but the, but the people don't know what he said. That's why I'm asking. You know, it, it's, it's, that's your interview. I don't, you know, I don't, I don't want to quote it. <laughs> well, Heavy Live with Scoop B uh, is a project that I did with, uh, that, I, that I have going on a digital show uh, with um, Heavy.com where I'm a senior writer. And, you know, basically Stefan uh, was in a situation where um, he was the butt of a Jay-Z line uh, in the song La La La. Yeah, yeah. On the Bad Boys 2 soundtrack. Um, Jay Paul Stephon, Barry at the light. You can lose your life. There you go. He said, uh, so, yeah. he and So, basically, you know, he... He gave a rebuttal um, to what Jay said, and basically he said, "You know, you created crack babies and Marcy projects, and um, that is something that is uh, all over the place." So, yeah, man, he's uh, it's interesting. <laughs> no, it, it, no, it, it is interesting, and, and the reason I brought it up is because you know, like like I told you, yeah, yeah, I, I hold you up as one of my mentors. And, you know, I, I follow your work very, very closely, especially when it involves somebody that I that, that I like to listen to speak like a Stephon Mulberry. Like, that, you know, at, that that's something that seems to always garner a lot of attention whenever you do an interview with Steph. Like, it, and like, no matter what it is, it, it just seems like whatever he says, 
garners the most attention, especially when he's talking to you. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, definitely. He literally just texted me while we were on the phone. So yeah, man. I mean, it's 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 um, it's interesting. It's interesting, and um, it's interesting that people like nostalgia. So nostalgia wins in this situation. It's something I've always wanted to know, and you know, I know Steph, but you know, I've never asked it. And uh, here you go. No, it was well, well, texting back and tell him to come on the Hollow Talk podcast. I would definitely love to talk to Steph on Mulberry. I'll let him know. I will let him know. <laughs> No, so let me let me ask you another question too. You know, the the fact that you've been in this game since you were twelve years old and you've been doing interviews, countless interviews with with, with numerous high figure people in the entertainment industry, either that be in music, film, uh, sports, and anything else. Um, do you do now like now that you're on the Hollow podcast, uh, do you feel that you enjoy being on the other side of the interview as the interviewee, more so than the interviewer, or is it the other way around? Um, it's still conversation. I like both sides of it. Um, I think that uh, it's rare um, that I think many journalists don't see themselves. Some journalists, I won't say many, some journalists don't see themselves as brands. They just see themselves as storytellers. Some journalists don't want to be in that personality. Uh, I enjoy both. Uh, and I understand both roles. Um as a, as a crafter of a story, um, you know, the interviewee has to prepare and, you know, know, know where the person is from, their makeup, et cetera. And then, you know, on the side of the interviewer, you know, I think, um, be, you know, the person being interviewed, the subject, um, I think you're helping that interviewee tell a story based upon you. And I think at the same time, um, uh, you just you just be the best you that you can be so that you can give the person who's interviewing you something to work with. No, yeah, absolutely. And, you know, like we, we've had talks, you know, off record just about, you know, like, like a couple of different things. Like I said, you, I, I can't help but say it again, but like I said, I hold you uh, as, as one of my mentors, you know, so like I, I, you know, generally talk to you about some things, especially when it comes to life in general, how to move or, you know, just questions about sports journalism. Um, you know, I, I think that having a conversation with you on this, on this platform and this format is, is key to not only um, help perfect my skills uh, when it comes to doing this, but also allow you a chance to tell your story. Like you, you being an interviewer for most of the time, you don't really get a chance to tell your story. Like, you know, you, you people don't really, don't really know who, who Brandon Scooby Robinson is like, or, or at least the, the general public, I may say might not know, mm-hmm. but, but, uh, you know, being there, being like that, you can have a platform like this to tell people where you're from and, what you do, your backstory, and let them know that, you know, like, I've really been doing this since I was 12. Like, I think that that's an important thing to do. And that's why I insisted on having you on today, because I just felt as though that it was important for you to tell that side of the story more so than you trying to help other people tell their side of the story. We're on the same page. I appreciate you having me on, good brother. No, yeah, absolutely, man. You know, I, I definitely, definitely, definitely want to have you on again. Um, I, I know you, I know, you know, everybody, like I said, I got respect to shooter. So if, if you could definitely tap in and, and, uh, pass along this message to, to anybody that you know, that may want to come on a podcast or tell us side of the story, you know, whatever that may be, I'm available to work at all times. Yes, sir. All right. Well, this has been Jetpack Nick on the Hollow Talk podcast here with Brandon Scoop B. Robinson. And remember, no talk is too shallow over here at the Hollow. This is Scooby Radio saying, you bring the coffee and I'll bring the Duncan. Kaboom! Planning for your next trip? 
Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. My business used to be weighed down by the complexities of in-person payments. Then, Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe came along and changed everything. With Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe, I streamlined my payment process effortlessly. Now I can accept in-person, contactless payments right from my iPhone. No extra hardware required. What's truly remarkable is how I can cater to all of my customers' payment preferences. Whether they're using cards, Apple Pay, or other digital wallets, Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe ensure a smooth checkout experience every time. And it's not just me. Stripe helps businesses of all sizes, from local markets to global retailers, scale quickly and stay agile. To learn how Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe can help grow your revenue and reach, visit stripe.com slash tap iPhone.